Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. How about giving that little girl another round of applause? Anyone other than me ultra-inspired and ready to hit the gym? I know that's a pretty early age to start that kind of intense training, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for everyone, but that little girl's got grit. A whole lot of it. And according to psychologist and author Angela Lee, grit is the power of passion and perseverance over the long haul. And now I mean for long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. It's sticking with the plan day by day, day in and day out. Not just for a week or a month or even a year, but for a really long time. And true grit is living your life like you're running a marathon and not a sprint. And from my perspective, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 is spiritual grit. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many things? All things. And the key to that verse is not what we can do, but rather who we're connected to. That's what's important. Understanding we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. You see, God is not in the business of creating Christian superstars or superheroes you know, the most valuable players. Now, we like that. In fact, we celebrate greatness. And we always want to know who's the best. That's why we keep statistics and records. But God's not that way. Because God knows the power there is in pride. It's dangerous. It's menacing. It's ugly. And Solomon learned that. In Proverbs 16, 18, he tells us, pride comes before the fall and a haughty or a pompous spirit before destruction. 1 John 2.16 says that's precisely what's in the world today. That's all you're going to find wherever you go in the world. Fleshly desire, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And John goes on to say, these things are not from God. In fact, you wouldn't see any one of those characteristics operating in the life of Jesus. And the scripture tells us that Jesus is the expressed image of the Father. And so check this out. God uses humility to make us great. I'll say it again. God uses humility to make us great. And James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so that's how we can do all things Through Christ, who strengthens us, we do them by grace. We do them with a little bit of help. But you know, sometimes as believers, we forget that. And in our zeal, we try to do Christianity in our own power and in our own strength. And let me tell you from past experience, and I can promise you this, you can't do it that way. It is impossible to be a Christian in and of your own strength. If we're going to get in the game, and if we're going to stay in the game, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need help. And that's where I'm going this morning. 
I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. So say that. We need the power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you convinced of that? If you're not, I'm going to explain it to you. And maybe by the end of our time together, uh, you'll be more convinced. All right, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible tells us that when a resurrected and glorified Jesus was about to check out of planet Earth and return to his throne in heaven, he gathered his disciples together and he had some parting words for them, some, some instructions and some encouragement that he wanted to pass along to them. These, these were like the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, so they're important. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said to them, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost or to the ends of the earth. Now, why did the disciples need the power of the Holy Spirit? It's contained right there in Acts 1.8. Why did they need the power? To become his witnesses. Jesus said you're going to receive power, and that's really the only way that you're going to be a witness of mine. So they needed power to be able to tell their story, give testimony of all that Jesus had imparted to them, and in so doing, keep the gospel message alive. But they also needed that power to be the kind of witnesses that would allow the grace of God to change and transform them. And so they had a story to tell, but they needed some transformation themselves. And so 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, the prophetic words of Jesus came to pass. And the disciples had a Holy Spirit visitation. They became his powerful witnesses, and the Christian church was birthed. And over the past 2,000 plus years, it has been the Holy Spirit that has sustained the ministry of the local church. The Holy Spirit has been the one that has empowered and allowed the church to do the work that God has called us to do. And today, more than anything else, the church needs another Holy Spirit visitation. How many of you would agree? We need a revival. The church of Jesus Christ today needs a revival. And now I'm not talking about the kind of move of God that allows sinners to get saved. And we need that. The unsaved need to hear the gospel message. But this revival or this move of God that I'm talking about is for the church, for you and me, for the already convinced. Because when the saved get fired up, when the saved get revived, here's what's going to happen. The unsaved will get saved. It's automatic because we have that excitement and that enthusiasm in our hearts. And if we are going to have the kind of faith and desire to impact our world today, as the church, we need the Holy Spirit. Now, why is there always this huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's so much controversy surrounding the Holy Spirit, and we're always talking about the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit when we already have Jesus? I mean, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Why do I need anything else? If I can do all things through Jesus, what is the importance of the Spirit? Well, when you read through the New Testament, 
very carefully, especially the writings of Paul, you will find that Paul the Apostle was all about the Spirit, all about the Holy Spirit. He told us that we have to be led of the Spirit, that we have to follow the Spirit, live according to the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. He says hope in the Spirit, trust in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and be filled with the Spirit. What Spirit is he talking about? The Holy Spirit, the same third person of the Trinity that Jesus told his disciples they needed to receive power from, the power to become his witnesses, the power to tell their story and to impact the world around them. And so in the time remaining this morning, what I want to do is give you five reasons why you need the Holy Spirit. How many reasons? Five reasons why the Holy Spirit operating in our lives is absolutely mandatory. It's not optional. The Holy Spirit is not discretionary. We need him. And this, the five reasons I'm going to give you, they're not exhaustive in any way. In fact, we're just going to scratch the surface because we could go on talking about the Holy Spirit all morning and all day. So let's jump in. Five reasons why we need the Holy Spirit. Let's start with number one. We need the Holy Spirit because Jesus said we would. All right? Jesus said we would need the Holy Spirit who would lead us and guide us in all truth. So in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, during his final Passover meal with his disciples, one that he was looking forward to with great anticipation, knowing that after that, he wouldn't share that time with them any longer. He said this, John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father to give you another counselor, and he will be with you forever. Even the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Who can't the world accept? The Holy Spirit. Because the world neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. And you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, when Jesus said, I will come to you, he wasn't talking about himself. He meant an extension of himself. He meant the Holy Spirit. And a short time after he returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to actually take up residence inside of us. And so when you have the Holy Spirit, it's like having Jesus all the time. When we receive the Holy Spirit, the counselor that Jesus sent to us, it's like having Jesus with us all the time. And he will never leave us or forsake us. We heard that during the worship time. We heard that during Pastor Chris's prayer. Because it is the truth. He is with us always. Even when we go through the storms of life. And even when we walk through tests and trials and tough times. He is with us. In fact, it's during those hard times that he proves just how much he cares about us. Now I want you to take a moment. Just a moment, and think about a time in your life, in the past, when you thought, this is it. I am not going to make it. 
There is no way that I'm going to survive this time because it just feels to me like my world is caving in. Think about that time. Do you have it? We've all had those this is it moments. We've all said this is the big one. We've all thought that we are finished. But check it out, we're all still here. We made it. We live to see the light of another day. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God walked us through that time, took us by the hand, and made sure that we came out on the other side. See, that's the greatness of knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us. And when Jesus said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, he meant I will never neglect you, I will not abandon you. I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be with you forever. What a truth that we have a part of God living inside of us who is with us forever. You see, the Holy Spirit is to us today exactly what Jesus was to his disciples for three and a half years. He walked with them. He was with them. He never left their side. And that's how the Holy Spirit is to us. And Jesus said we need him. And so number one, the number one reason we need the Holy Spirit is because Jesus said we would. All right, number two, we need the Holy Spirit because he assures us of our salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us assurance of salvation. Now, I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard a believer say to me, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. And I'm talking about believers who've been around for years and years. See, when that happens, when we question our salvation, when we cast away our confidence in God, even though the Bible tells us don't do that, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, the Bible clearly says do not cast away your confidence or your trust in God. But when we do that, when we doubt our salvation, when we don't even know if God is with us, you know what can happen? We can hit the sidelines. And for many, many believers, not only do we walk off the field and quit the game, we end up quitting the team. That's how impactful the question of our salvation really is. It can cause us to drop out of the Christian program. Now, where does that kind of doubt and uncertainty come from? It comes from the enemy of our souls, the devil himself. In fact, it was Jesus who identified Satan as a liar. He said it, not me. The scripture tells us that Satan is a liar and he's the father of all lies. And he continually makes accusations against the people of God at his throne. And you can only listen to those negative accusations for so long before you begin to believe them. And when the enemy whispers in your ear over and over again that you're not saved, your actions, your behavior, uh, the, your thought life, it, it, it definitely points away from you being uh, touched by God in any way. When that happens, it becomes nearly impossible for us to know who we are. But the Bible clearly says in Romans 10, 9, 
That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you what? You shall be saved. You shall be saved. So when we do that, when we receive the gospel message, humble ourselves, repent of our sins, and declare and confess the lordship of Jesus Christ, guess what? We're saved. Settle that once and for all in your heart. And you only have to do it once. One time. Now, there are occasions in our lives when we're not as passionate about our faith as we should be or where we wander off a little spiritually and we need to make our way back. We need to make it right with God. But even when we feel the distance and we know that we're not in perfect standing with God, that doesn't mean that we're no longer saved and have to be resaved. It just means we have to get back in the game. See, when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling like God's nowhere to be found, get your uniform back on. Run back onto the field. Get in the game. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us full confidence and assurance that we are his and that we belong to him. I stumbled onto this incredibly powerful passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. And now you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saved you. That he what? He saved you. Are you excited about your salvation? That's good news. He saved us. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the seal of the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. See, we belong to God. We are his. No one can take that away from us. And so again... Number two, the Holy Spirit provides us with assurance of salvation. Leads us to number three. The third reason that we need the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit brings revelation of God's word. The Holy Spirit is the most excellent and the most experienced Bible teacher. And he illuminates God's word, making it practical and achievable. You know, what good is the word of God if we can't apply it to our lives. The Holy Spirit allows us to apply God's word to our lives. Now, last week in lesson number three of this series, I talked about the word of God as God's playbook. Remember that? And I said it was really important to know the playbook. All of us have to understand the significance of the plays of the word of God if we're going to stay in the game. And remember, I, I said the Holy Spirit, he brought the word of God together. He was the one responsible to make sure that we had a product that God was happy with. It's called the Bible. It's very valuable to us as believers. And then last week also, uh, what I did in talking about the playbook, I showed you a picture of Tom Brady. And, and you remember that? Tom Brady with his, with his wristband playbook? Well, I inadvertently didn't do it on purpose, but I must have jinxed him. Uh, because he didn't play that well uh, last week. Now, this Sunday, we're playing the Dallas Cowboys. 
that's Dak Preston, the quarterback for the Cowboys. Now, I don't, I don't mean to do anything with it, but you know, I just, I just thought I'd show you his picture. All right, so the Word of God is extremely important to us. All right, let's get back to seriousness now. All right. If you're not happy with that, I apologize in advance, okay? When we read the Bible, or when we hear the Word of God preached or taught by a Bible study teacher, whenever we meditate on the Word of God, it's the Holy Spirit that brings significance and understanding and revelation to our lives. And 1 Corinthians 2, 9 9-14 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and no mind has even imagined or conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things to us by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Did you, did you hear that? It's the Holy Spirit that searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Remember, we're talking about the Spirit of God bringing revelation of his word. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, his Holy Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. And one of the greatest and most wonderful gifts God has given to us is his word. Bottom line, we need the Holy Spirit in order to understand it. And sometimes it goes well beyond just the surface truth that you get from a casual reading of his word. Sometimes God wants us to go a little deeper. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to show us something that is even categorized as a mystery of God. How many of you know that? There are deep mysteries in the Word of God, and He wants to show them and reveal them to us, and we need the Holy Spirit in order to receive them. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to encounter brand new material. What God does is sometimes He uses an old passage or an old lesson, something that we've already learned, and He brings a new wave of revelation and understanding and new meaning to a a passage of scripture that we've already learned. Now I've told you on many different occasions that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a life verse of mine. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path or he will make your path straight. That is a passage that God has used in my life to get my attention for years and years, ever since I can remember being a Christian. I have memorized this passage. I can quote this passage when I'm half asleep, word by word. You know, sometimes God wants to bring new revelation to something that we've already learned. And this happened for me just a couple of weeks ago. The Lord added new meaning to the whole word trust. I mean, right about the time you think that you trust God, he'll put you in a situation where you have to trust him a little bit more. And that happened to me. And this time the Holy Spirit said to me, when you trust God, you don't need to know anything else. 
When you're trusting God, that's all you need to know is that God is God. Think about that for a minute. Because typically, we're all about the information and the knowledge piece. Most of us are a little on the nosy side. And we need to know the details. Not just a few, but all of them. This is the very issue that got Adam and Eve in trouble in the first place. They just had to know. Think about this. God offered them the tree of life. He said, in the middle of the garden, you'll find the tree of life. Have at it as often as you want. Now, a little bit away from the tree of life is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. What do they do? Made a beeline for the knowledge tree. So they chose knowledge over eternal life. And the rest of us would have done the very same thing. God says, when you trust me, you don't need to know anything else. And it's the Spirit of God that can bring new meaning and revelation to God's Word. And it blesses us. It ministers to us. It fills the void that we have in our heart. So we need the Holy Spirit because Jesus said so. Number two, because he assures us of salvation. We need the Holy Spirit, number three, because he brings revelation of God's word. And number four, we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be more Christ-like. And now I mean to be changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's the Holy Spirit who goes to work in our lives to do that. I mean where we can actually check our behavior and the way that we live. And we've been talking a lot about this over the past couple of months, especially with the Colossians series. We spent a lot of time during the month of August. I know it's been a whole month, and you probably don't remember, but we talked a lot about this, how to act, how to behave, especially today, how, how to express the characteristics of our Christianity. In fact, during the fourth and final installment of the Colossians series, Pastor Chris came up with a very impressive sermon illustration. Remember the mannequins? And using the mannequins, he preached a powerful message from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together or dresses them all up in perfect unity. Not just in unity, but in perfect unity. And this is the example that Jesus laid out for us in every situation without ever violating it. He always described, pardon me, he always displayed what Paul the Apostle described as the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. And the Holy Spirit of God can get us there. This is the way that we can live our lives. We can allow the Holy Spirit to implant and infuse in our own lives 
these nine characteristics. But you know, in addition to actions and behavior, the Holy Spirit also wants to empower us to have mountain-moving faith. And now I mean uh, not only reflect the nine gifts, uh, the nine fruit of the Spirit, but operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit and have the kind of faith where we believe all things are possible. So when we're looking to the Holy Spirit to empower us, to be more Christ-like, not only are we talking about the outward behavior and the work that he does on our heart, but also the faith that we need to believe that our God is a God of miracles. And you see that kind of faith in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Let me read this account. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city of Jericho, a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and said, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Lord, I want to see. So Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, this story always inspires me and brings a smile to my face because it is a wonderful healing story. I mean, it records a healing miracle, but there's so much more to this story than just the miracle account. Mark tells us that one day, a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus is sitting by the roadside, and he's begging. He's begging because he couldn't work. He couldn't see, so he couldn't work. And all of a sudden, he heard some commotion. He started to ask some questions. What's going on? And they told him a large crowd is following Jesus. And when he heard that it was Jesus, he immediately began to cry out. And he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Said it a couple times. Have mercy on me. And that's all Jesus ever needed to hear. Just one cry of mercy stopped Jesus dead in his tracks. And so even though everybody else was telling him to be quiet, Jesus called for the blind man. And he asked him, what do you want from God? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. And Bart hit the jackpot. It was the answer that Jesus was looking for. Might seem like an obvious answer to you. And so Jesus touched him, healed him, completely restored his sight. And at the end of that little story, we're told that Bartimaeus got up and what did he do? He followed Jesus. He followed him. Now, as you sit here this morning, as you're in church today, maybe for the sole purpose that it's Sunday and you came to worship and honor God in his house, or Maybe you are desperate for God and you need God to answer a personal prayer request or a need that you might have. Whatever the reason. It, it doesn't matter why you're here. It doesn't matter how, how you found your way to this service today. 
prophetically, the Spirit of the Lord is asking each and every one of us the same question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus a long time ago. What do you want? What do you want? What's important to you? What are you looking for God to do in your life right now? And I don't know about you. I don't know what's important to you right now. But for me, I want to see. I want to see with the eyes of the Spirit. I want to have faith to believe that with God all things are possible. I want to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles that the Bible talks about will happen in our day. I just want to see God in action. I want that desperately. I want that more than anything else. Because we are all, without that, we are like blind people begging on the side of the road. We have to have spiritual sight and spiritual understanding. Now, just to be clear, my faith doesn't depend upon miracles. I don't need to see someone get healed in order to believe that Jesus is the healer. I believe Jesus is the healer. But I am convinced that the Holy Spirit empowers us not only to be changed and transformed, but to have mountain-moving faith. It's the only way we can have that kind of faith. The only way we can see with the eyes of the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit of God to bring that truth to our hearts. So again, number four, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be more Christ-like. And then finally, number five, we need the Holy Spirit because he equips us for service. He provides us with special talents and spiritual giftings and leads us into acts of service. And you will be thrilled to know that I don't have to say anything else about this one because we've already covered it in previous lessons. We've been talking about it all month. See, serving is what getting in the game is all about. It's finding your place on the team. And so last time, Five reasons we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said so. He assures us of salvation. He brings revelation of God's word. He empowers us to be more Christ-like. And he equips us for service. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the tremendous plan that you put together a long time ago. As you, the Spirit of God, and the Son of God, looked over the world and created the heavens and the earth. As you brought your plan together, and you declared that there would be a way of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. You sent him to earth for a prescribed period of time he walked with his disciples. He invested, he spoke life into 12 men. And then he returned to his throne in heaven, but he didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in all truth, to comfort us, to be our counselor, to literally live inside of us. We have the Spirit of the living God, a part of the Creator God in us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
on Resurrection Sunday dwells in our bodies. And we're so mindful, Lord God, of our need for the Holy Spirit. It's a new day, Lord. It's a day that you've made for the church. We want to see, Lord. We're not content with just the casual lessons that we learn. We don't want to just go through the motions of our faith, Lord. There are believers here today who have been crying out for years and years the same words that Bartimaeus responded to Jesus, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. Open our eyes, Lord God. Give us faith. We pray you would move among us in these closing moments. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.